As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see this message. Welcome to Home Group. This is Monday night, and we are going to have a great week talking about the Holy Spirit. And actually, this week, we're going to continue what we started last week, which is symbols of the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm teaching. It is such a great series. You know, every one of those symbols really communicates something about the work of the Holy Spirit. But there is a study guide that goes with this, and it's free. All you have to do is download it. Go to renner.org. And Joe, how do they download it? Just go to our homepage, renner.org. You'll see the image of the study guide right there. And you can just click on it, download it, and it'll be yours. And you can also order the whole series, 10 parts. comes in multiple formats. I really want to encourage you to get these. It would be great for a Bible study or if you're trying to teach somebody about the Holy Spirit. This is so good. And we're also offering two books. One is called Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. We really need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the other is called The Holy Spirit and You Working Together as Heaven's Dynamic Duo. Whenever we talked about the Holy Spirit spoke of over 200 times in the Bible, that is amazing. The Holy Spirit has oil 200 times amazing. in the Bible. And when we talked about unity as dew, the Holy Spirit is represented as dew, and that's the symbol of unity. I thought that was wonderful. Well, actually, last week we saw several symbols of the Holy Spirit. First of all, we saw the Holy Spirit as oil. And Joel, just like you said, he's portrayed in the Scripture 200 times as oil. Wow. That's very important. The Holy Spirit is portrayed in Psalm 133, like Joel just said, as do. And thank you for all your comments about that. A lot of people got something out of that, the do point of the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit is portrayed as rain. He's portrayed as water. The Holy Spirit is portrayed as a river. The Holy Spirit is portrayed as fire. The Holy Spirit in Scripture is portrayed as a dove. The Holy Spirit is portrayed as clothing. And then Friday, we dedicated the whole program to the Holy Spirit portrayed as wind, the wind of the Holy Spirit. All of these are symbols of the Holy Spirit used in Scripture that tell us something about how the Holy Spirit works. And today, we're going to move to number 10. But first, Denise, I'm so glad you're here tonight. Thank you, Rick. I want to welcome our home group. Home group, welcome. Isn't it such a pleasure to be with you and that you take your time to be with us? Thank you so much. Joel, it really is a pleasure to be with you. And we enjoy it. We enjoy studying the Bible as a family. And we're glad we can do it with you. Well, tonight we're going to talk about the next point, and that is the Holy Spirit portrayed in Scripture as a gift. And our Scripture is in Acts 2.38. So guys, open your Bibles to Acts 2.38, where Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost, and Peter said unto the listeners, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the what? The gift of of the Holy Ghost. Here the Holy Spirit is called a gift. Mm -hmm. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord God shall call. And the Holy Spirit here is called a gift. Well, most people like to receive gifts. And when you get a gift, it's usually a surprise and you have to unwrap it. If you don't unwrap it, then you never find out what's inside the box or what's inside the gift. You have to unwrap it. 
And I think this is so very important because we have to unwrap what we have received in the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So many people have been saved. They've received the oil of the Spirit. They've been sealed with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit came in them, but they've really never unwrapped the gift of the Holy Spirit. And for you to enjoy the Holy Spirit, you have to unwrap Him to discover what all He has to offer us. Denise? Well, you have to... You have to allow the Holy Spirit to operate in your life because he's so powerful and he wants to speak through us. He wants to move through us. And he's such an amazing, amazing person. And he he's perfect and he knows everything. And so if we allow ourselves to hear him and to say what he says, then we're giving out of that reservoir of his presence in us, we're giving out of that to other people. It's such a powerful gift. Joel, I'm just thinking about what you said about unwrapping what you've been given. And what happens if you don't unwrap it? Well, you don't know what's in the gift, but, but you've been given it. And I think that's very important because you need to take the time to unravel the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. And, of course, that takes time and effort. And you just need to unravel that. You need to experience it. You need to open the gift that you've been given. And I think that's a very good point. But if the Holy Spirit is a gift, it means you don't have to earn Him. No. Now, when I grew up, I got saved when I was five years old. I had been under conviction of sin for one year. I really came under conviction when I was about four because my mother laid in the bed next to me every night when I went to sleep, and she would talk to me about heaven hell, eternity, the need to repent. And even though I hadn't committed any heinous crime at the age of four, I understood that I was born a sinner and I needed to repent. So when I was five, a year later, I walked the aisle and gave my heart to Jesus. Very simple. I just gave my life to Jesus, called Jesus the Lord of my life, and I got saved. Within a week or two, I was in total confusion about my salvation. Because when I got saved, it was just so simple. I just received. But I would notice that when adults would come forward after that, they would weep and they would cry and they would carry on and carry on. And I began to think, maybe I wasn't really saved because I didn't cry. But what was I going to cry about? I was five years old. I couldn't really have great remorse over sin. I was five. I just logically knew I needed to give my life to Jesus. But I got confused. And I thought, well, maybe I'm not really saved. And do you know the devil pestered me with that for years and years and years? And not just me, but also Denise. We both questioned our salvation. In fact, <laughs> we were so pestered about whether or not we were really saved. On our honeymoon, Denise and I would look at each other and say, I hope I'm saved. I hope I'm really saved. Let's pray again to be saved just in case we're not saved. I mean, it just was like the devil just constantly trying to disturb our peace about our salvation. And when we were in the Baptist church, oh, I knew I was really in a bad condition. When I would stand at the altar to receive people who wanted to get saved, and they would come forward, and they'd take my hand. They would say, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Now here I am supposed to be receiving them. And I would think to myself privately, I want to give my heart to Jesus, too, just in case I'm not really <laughs> saved. And I thought, if I could just ask enough, 
Mm. If I could just prove my sincerity. I would say, God, just in case I didn't really mean it, this time I really mean it, God. An hour might pass. And I was again wondering, I wonder if I really meant it an hour ago. It was so horrible. It was torturous. I felt it. Denise felt it. That was really a pretty picture when the two of us got together, both of us doubting our salvation. And if I asked the Lord to save me once, I know I asked him 10,000 times. I just don't believe that's an exaggeration at all. Morning, noon, night, wake up in the middle of the night, just in case, just in case, just in case, Jesus, just in case. I didn't really ever mean it ever at any previous moment in my life. I'm asking you now. And finally, I got so tired of asking the Lord to save me. I just got so weary of it. The one day I walked into the church auditorium, nobody was there but me. And here again, I'm doubting my salvation. I dropped on my knees, the front pew, next to the organ. I said, all right, this is it. I said, Lord, I have asked and asked and asked you to save me. And I'm not asking anymore. If I'm not saved, I'm done with this. I'll just go to hell because I'm not going to spend the rest of my life asking you to save me and save me and save me and save me and save me. If I'm not saved, then I'm just not saved. I'm not asking again. And in that moment, something wonderful happened. I just relaxed and received. My much asking was not going to save me. It wasn't how pious I was or how sincere somehow I was going to impress God with my much asking. Salvation is not something we earn. It's not at works. The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And do you know, Denise, on that day, I just relaxed and just received and never doubted my salvation again. Well, you know, Rick, when I got free, I, I decided that I was going to just make it final. And I just acted like that I had high heels on, and I put my high heels deep, 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 as if they were in cement. And I said, Lord, this is it, and I'm not asking anymore. And I received I mean, the peace. Okay, now I want to use an illustration. Here is a 2,000 ruble note. You say, well, how much is that worth? It's worth about $25. Okay, if I told Joel I wanted to give him this 2,000 ruble note, which, by the way, this is really a cool note. Russia's new money is holographic. That's how you know that it's not counterfeit. I brought the telephone to show you. You can put a program on your phone and put it on top of the bill, and everything on that bill comes alive. The rocket shoots, the bridge suddenly lifts off the bill, it extends beyond both sides of the bill, and all the cars on the bridge begin to drive. It is amazing, isn't it? It is, and so is the 5,000, the 100, and the 200 bill. They all do their own little tricks. Oh, the 200, the 200 ruble bill, the birds fly off the bill. Oh, it's cool. It is so cool. But if I said to Joel, Joel, I want to give you this, 2,000 
ruble note, which is the equivalent of $25. Would you beg me for it or would you just receive it? I would just receive it. Just imagine if I said, Joel, I'm going to give this to you. And you said, oh, please. please. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to receive that. But please, if you could, in your mercy, somehow just give that to me. And I've already said to you, Joel, I want to give this to you. What is, what's all that about? It would be a very weird conversation. That is what we do with God. We repent, and God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the most awesome things God could ever do for us. And he does it by grace. He just gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're told in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, that the gift of the Holy Spirit will belong to anybody who repents. So you have to qualify. But once you qualify, you don't have to beg for the rest of your life. You have already received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Rick, in verse 39, we're in verse 39. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. That's us right there. All right, Denise, now I'm thinking about you for a moment because you really like gifts. And on your birthday, I always try to surprise you with some kind of a gift. It's not always easy to know what to give you, but you like gifts. Isn't it wonderful that God gave us a gift? Absolutely. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Think how many Christians have been saved and they have the Holy Spirit. Obviously, because Romans chapter 8 says, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. So whether you're charismatic or non-charismatic, it doesn't really matter. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. He's in you. But think how many Christians have no idea what they've received because they've never opened the gift. Now, if I gave you a gift, Denise, and you said, that's so wonderful. I love the packaging. That ribbon is so beautiful. I just love that gift. But you never opened it. Well, you kind of half received it. To enjoy what I give you, you have to open it. You've got to dive in. And by that way, that's why we're doing this whole series on symbols of the Holy Spirit. We're diving in to see what we received. When we got saved, we received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen, Denise. Amen. I have an example. My son, Mark, he had his birthday not so long ago. And mom and dad gave him a set of Legos. It took me six hours to put those Legos together. <laughs> like, okay, how old is Mark? Mark is six. And the Legos were for 16 plus. 16 plus. And so who do you think put all these Legos together? <laughs> I said it was nice when Mike joined me to put together the Legos. But it was definitely a long day of Legos. Anyway, my thumbs were a little tired. But... We put together this set, we, me and Mark, we put together a set of Legos. And Mark, when he received your gift, mm -hmm. he looked at the box, he turned the box around, looked at the other pictures, looked at the sides, looked at the top, looked at the bottom, he looked and then he repeated all that all over again. He showed it to his brother, Daniel, he showed it to his mama, Oda, and he said, Papa, you ready? I was like, ready. <laughs> And anyway, he ripped that box to pieces. He, he figured out the packaging inside. And he laid them all out so we can start putting them together. 
he opened the instructions and he said, let's get started. And we started to put it all together. Once the car was put together, he started showing us all what the car did and all these little tricks the car can do. And he was just so thrilled by this gift you gave him. Yeah. And that's not all. He said, Daddy, let's make a video. Oh, yeah. And so we took a video and we sent it to Mom and Dad so they could see how Mark and, enjoyed it. And on the video, Mark said, Grandpa and Grandma, here is my Lego car. He opened all the doors, showed us the interior, yeah. showed us the front, showed us the top, the bottom. Now, as the givers, you know, you and Mom, you, you and Mom, you, you guys gave him the gift. And I'm sure when you received that video, it was like your heart was just probably beaming with joy. That's exactly yeah. right. That Mark enjoyed his gift so yes. much. Yes. Well, how much do you think God wants us to enjoy the gift he gave us? He wants us to, to understand the gift, to find, look at it from all different angles, to research it, to understand, to put it together, to have a relationship. He wants us to enjoy the gift just as much as Mark enjoyed his, even more. And I think it's, it's a privilege that we can even do that. Mm. So that's wonderful. That's very Denise. good. Well, I was just thinking about how wonderful the Holy Spirit is. And one thing I just love about him is that he reveals Jesus to us. And he reveals how wonderful Jesus is. And, and it, he's, he just opens things, opens reality to us. He opens these treasures that change our life, change our attitude, change our perspective. And what a gift. There's nobody that can do that for you. Nobody. But when you fellowship with him and he reveals an aspect of Jesus to you, then it changes you. Mm -hmm. And you know, Joe, I was thinking about Mark and how much he loved that gift. I'm sure it changed his mood. I'm I'm sure the whole house changed. The, the whole house changed. That's right. And when we enjoy the Holy Spirit and his presence and what he has to give us, he changes us and it changes our relationships because he's perfect and everything he does is perfect. You know, when I was growing up, and Denise, when you were growing up, we grew up in a wonderful denomination where we were taught the Bible. But we never explored the Holy Spirit. The only thing I really knew that the Holy Spirit did, I knew he was supposed to give us power to witness, but I didn't know how to receive the power. And I knew that during the invitation, the Holy Spirit worked in the church. Because when the pastor gave the altar call, I can still say it. He was so precious. He would come off the pulpit and he would hold out his hands. Yeah. And he would say, Holy Spirit, I ask you to visit every lost man, woman, boy or girl. And if nobody would respond, he would say, visit them with restlessness and sleepless nights until they come to a place of repentance. And as a young boy, I remember thinking, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's the divine blob. He floats over the service during the altar call. And if you're in sin, he falls on you. The ghost falls on you. And then when the altar call is finished, he lifts and he floats out of the auditorium. And if you didn't respond, 
then his ministry is to visit you with restlessness and sleepless nights. That's all I knew really about the Holy Spirit. We really didn't talk about him. We had him. We mentally knew about him. But we never really unwrapped that gift. There's so much in the Holy Spirit. And by the way, that's why I wrote this book called The Holy Spirit and You, working together as heaven's dynamic duo. Because I want you to know about the Holy Spirit, how to partner with the Holy Spirit. And that's why I wrote the book, Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Because the Holy Spirit is a gift that is loaded with more gifts. Mm. When you begin to unwrap this package, the gifts just keep coming and coming and coming and coming and coming. Like Denise said, the Holy Spirit is filled with treasures. And when you begin to unwrap the gift, it just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. In fact, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. You know, that word treasure, the Greek word thesaurus, describes an inexhaustible treasure. When I read that verse, I always think of King Tut's tomb mm -hmm. or Ramsey's tomb in the Valley of the Kings. And those tombs in Egypt along the Nile in the Valley of the Kings are long, long tunnels that are cut deep, deep into the earth. And they were filled with treasures. They were literally treasure chambers. And then they were hidden so nobody could find them. No grave robbers could come to walk away with the treasures. But those were treasure chambers filled with gold and just unthinkable treasures. Well, in this case... We are the treasure chamber. You know, I was a kid where I always played pirates, and I loved to draw pirate maps, and I would draw an island with palm trees and rocks and ships and pirate ships, and a big X always marked the spot where you would find treasure. Well, in this case, the X is right here. X marks the spot. It's right here. It's on me. It's on you. It's on you. It's on you. Hidden treasures right here. We are more magnificent than King Tut's tomb because we have in us the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have this inexhaustible treasure in earthen vessels. Oh, even earthen vessels is so powerful. The Greek word ostrakinos, which is a word that was used to describe really cheap but beautiful Greek pottery. And Ostrakinus pottery was popular because everybody could buy it because it was so cheap and it was so beautifully decorated. It was covered with all kinds of ornamentation and paintings. But it was so cheap that if you broke it, you could go get another piece. And usually Ostrakinos was also flawed. It had flaws. But you couldn't see the flaws because of the decorations and the painting. And the Apostle Paul says, that's what we are. We're earthen vessels. We are ostrakinos, which means we're flawed. In fact, we're so flawed, we cover ourselves with cosmetics. We work on our clothes so we'll look better. We do everything we can to cover our flaws. And God took his treasure, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and put him in us. That is amazing. God put his greatest treasure, the gift of the Holy Spirit, in human vessels that are flawed, that we try to cover up and decorate to make us look a little bit better. But X marks the spot. And that's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, can you imagine it? 
we have. We have in Greek as echomen. We hold, we possess, we contain within us this unspeakable, inexhaustible treasure. And of course, we're talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit, which belongs to anybody who's willing to repent. That's the only qualification. And when God gives us salvation, gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit, He doesn't say, beg, beg more, beg more, beg more. You have to prove to me that you're sincere. No, no, no. It's just like if I wanted to give Joel that money, all Joel has to do is just receive it. Just receive it. Just take it out and just receive it. It's a gift. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. Denise? Well, I'm thinking of sometimes how people receive gifts. They say, oh, you know, I'm not worthy to receive that from you. I can't take that from you. Oh, people say that all the time. And, and then if they say, I can't take that from you, that could be false humility or pride, then they did not get the gift. And if, if Jesus wants to give us something, and we say, oh, no, oh, no, Lord, I can't do that. I, I, I'm not worthy of that. I can't go there, Lord. I can't have that, Lord. Then it's just possible in our refusal, for whatever reason, false humility or pride, wrong thinking, we won't receive what it is we so desperately need and what out of his character and his love and his nature wants to give us so badly. You know, God's a giver. Oh, God. He's the giver. Even James chapter 1 describes him as the God that giveth. He's the God that giveth. And in Greek, that describes the habitual nature of God. He is the giving God. I say he's not the God of the clenched fist saying bag, 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 bag. He's the God of the open hand. He says, here it is. Whatever you need, here it is. And the greatest gift he gives us is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow. But when we come back tomorrow night, we're going to look at the next symbol of the Holy Spirit. And we'd love to know what you think about tonight's home group. Would you please go online and Go on our social media and comment. We will read them as soon as we wake up in the morning. And for now, it's time to go to bed. So we want you to take your sleeping medication in Psalm 4, verse 8. That's your sleeping medication. It says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, and the Lord will keep me safely. I speak that over you in Jesus' name. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please like, subscribe, and comment so more people can see it.